Hello everyone and welcome to Beer and Bants. Now, slight change to normal proceedings, not that we really have a normal anymore, um, but I'm actually on my own for a change. So, originally I did have a guest lined up, but as with the modern world, nothing tends to go quite a plan. So what I decided to do was, to try, I thought I'd try one on my own, see how we get on, and um, yeah, it could be an utter car crash, because <laughs> obviously there's going to be some awkward silences in between, but we'll give it a bash, and I just didn't want to disappoint you, especially with uh, 2021 being a little bit all over the place with the things that happened in my private life, which obviously a lot of you are aware of, um, I just wanted to make sure that we did get a podcast out for you uh, at this particular point. So, starting off with, we'll obviously go straight on to the Tried and Tested. Now, the Tried and Tested is from Northern Monk. It's Mangoes On With Faith, which, are, for me, the way they've done the title is still not particularly great. Now, this is a collaboration between Northern Monk and Drew Millard. Uh, Millward, sorry. I do apologise already. It's not going well. So, this is a slight twist on their normal classic Faith Pale Ale. All they've basically done is add mango flavouring to it. Now, it is 5.4%. I have tried quite a few of the mango-flavoured beers on the podcast, as a lot of you are already aware. Now, there's a couple of ones, such as like Disco Forklift Truck, are absolute bangers, in my opinion. I have, like I said, I've tried this one before. Now, with the mangoes on with Faith, it's got a different element to it. So, whereas Disco Forklift Truck is very much a smooth mango flavor with a very subtle hint with this one they've managed to keep the essence of faith there so it is a bit more beery in that respect but with that still got that juiciness from the mango so they do kind of offset each other now in color it is quite a thick i'd say a mangoey style color it looks like a mango juice you, you kind of know pretty much straight away what it is on the nose you you do get the, the fruity flavour, not as much on the, the beery side as you'd kind of come to expect with these type of beers. Now, if you bear with, I'll have a bit of a swig and give you a bit of analysis. Okay, so on the initial part, the one thing that does set itself apart from that, the Disco Forklift truck is you do get the hoppiness straight away. It's kind of, you get the subtle bitterness that you tend to get through the faith. A little bit of the zingy, fruity flavour coming through the middle, and then kind of smooth, refreshing aftertaste. It's very pleasant, it's very enjoyable, it's a different aspect. I think it's more one of those ones that's a bit more suited for anybody who prefers a bit more bite to their beer rather than some of the ones that can be like a bit more borderline cider, those type of aspects. So, yeah, it's an absolutely cracking beer. You can get it at I think the majority of uh, major supermarkets, but definitely Morrison's in particular. So it's not an expensive one to get. It's quite easy. And I'm sure you can probably get it from their website as well. And I really like the can design. The can design's kind of got the, I, I don't know, maybe a bit more of an African feel to the way in which the colour palette done, is done and the, the landscapes. But it's, it's really attractive. It's really inviting. And, and it's definitely something that, if you haven't tried, I would definitely recommend uh, having a go with because I, I think it's a really enjoyable beer. Right, so what I thought I'd quickly talk about is the Winter Olympics. So the Winter Olympics have kind of been and gone during that period since our last episode. I absolutely love 
the Winter Olympics. The Winter Olympics are actually my favourite over the Summer Olympics, which is quite rare for someone based in the UK because we don't really have proper snow. We only tend to have, you know, crappy little slush. On the odd occasion, we may have a decent amount of snow, in which case the whole country goes to standstill. And there's literally nothing we can do. We haven't got the infrastructure for it because of how little it happens. So it's one of those ones where... <laughs> when we do have massive downpour, we just kind of accept that the whole week is ruined. But after that, we're back to normal, like drizzle and rain. You know, a bit sleety. That's about it. Uh, but yeah, so with the Winter Olympics, I I find it absolutely fascinating. So there's a couple of key sports that, for me, really stand out. I absolutely love watching the bobsled, not just because of like cool runnings. Granted, that was the original one that kind of got me drawn into... Um, you know, watching the bobsled in the first place. But as as an overall skill, I quite like watching the the two person and the four person. Uh, I think there's just a, a nice dynamic with them, and how much a small mistake on those runs can you know have a massive impact on the actual end score at the end. So what I didn't actually realise, which I did find out whilst watching it this uh, this particular Olympics, is a pilot who is in charge of the bobsled, on average, takes up to eight years to train to get to that level so you can actually run competitively. Now, for, for me, I think that's an astronomical amount of time considering that how short your lifespan is going to be doing that. Not that you know, you're going to die doing it, but it's, it's very much a, it's a short, sharp burst with a lot of power, a lot of intensity, and then a lot of concentration after you've done those bursts. So... It, for me, it, the amount of dedication it takes to get to that level, I, I find absolutely fascinating. Now, and yeah, it's, the Germans are very much like, you know, they have a lot of control over it. I believe it was like the Swiss had a really good uh, program for it as well when the, I was younger. So it, they're definitely, they are the, the top people to watch. And it's just so smooth. And the, the fine margin was to get the top speed whilst missing the sides I thought was fantastic uh, another kind of section that I do really enjoy is the skiing a bit of the slalom but more uh, like things like ski cross now for anybody who actually hasn't witnessed ski cross essentially they are like four skiers side by side um, and they normal track so start point end points twists turns like bumps but they are low like full contact now I didn't see it in the Olympics this year so I didn't know if it was actually an event or I just missed it because of the, the time frame being based in Beijing and obviously in the UK it's not <laughs> not easy to watch at that particular time but um yeah, ski cross I think is an absolutely fantastic sport, but because it's full contact, it is literally like no holes barred. You can't complete, you know, completely t-bone your opponents out of the way, but you know, it's an enjoyable spectacle. There's different things like snow cross and everything as well that that's equally fun to watch. But I just think the amount of skill that it takes, um, in particular with the skiers, I enjoyed downhill and I also enjoy the cross country style ones as well. It's there's just something magical about it and like quite majestic. When I was growing up, I was growing up during the there was very much like a skateboarder 
era and BMX, so like when they were kind of breaking the mainstreams and just you know they were the rebels, but people like Tony Hawk, you know Max Hoffman, uh, Matt Hoffman, sorry, yeah, they they were going like going against normal convention and bringing these sports into a mainstream. I don't enjoy the snowboard as much as the skiing. I don't know why, because realistically, the skiing should be more of an establishment where the snowboarding is much more free to do what you want. <clears throat> I don't know. There's something about it. Although I find them really fun to watch, I think maybe it's the things like the half pipe because I'm not more about the tricks. i much more like the competitive aspect of it. So I like it when they're going head-to-head and like chasing each other and time trials and that type of thing. Whereas like the showboating, much like you know uh, the motocross where they do the jumps rather than the actual racing... I don't get drawn into those. I know other people do, obviously, because otherwise, you know, they wouldn't make millions from it. But you know, each to their own. I think the uh, but the actual enjoyment part of the Olympics is getting those exposure to sports that you wouldn't necessarily come across. And I think that's generally what makes like the Olympics so special in comparison with other elitist or specialist events. Just because you can, you know, try different things. Um, this coming year, we've got the uh, Commonwealth Games coming to Birmingham. My family have actually got tickets to go and watch some of the sports there as well. Some of the ones we've never seen before. I know that's a shocker, uh, <laughs> considering the sheer volume of sports I watch. But, yeah, I, it's just fun for trying different things. And the worst case scenario, you go and watch these events and... <laughs> you don't like it, you just never go again, or you leave halfway through. But I think it's I think it's good to try new things. I think that's the most important thing really. Um I don't think I can actually talk about the Winter Olympics without mentioning a very strange thing that happens about once every four years. So Winter Olympics isn't something that we're necessarily represented in a lot. However, when it comes to the Winter Olympics, there's one sport in particular which seems to dominate the headlines. Probably because it's the only one we've actually got a chance of winning anything in, really. Uh, but that's curling. Now, <clears throat> curling is... If anybody hasn't watched it, it's essentially bowls on ice. So, that's probably the reason why we've actually got a chance at it. But for me, I have no idea... How it becomes like a natural, like a national obsession during the two-week period, because I think it's one of the most boring sports I've ever witnessed. Don't get me wrong; I will watch the odd end, as they call them, or you know, come quite similar to a frame. But people just seem to really, really get hyped for it, and I, I just can't. I've tried, I've tried numerous, numerous Olympics now, and it just bores me. I'm afraid, and. I know that's bad, and I know we've done well with the medals for it, and that was our main focus, but I don't know. Each to their own. That's all I can say. Each to their own. And I don't knock anybody for watching it or enjoying it, because you know that's the whole point of sport. It's exposure, it's new things, it's excitement, it's interesting. But it just becomes so focused, and I, I just find it a little bit boring. Right, I'm just going to have another quick swig. Bear with me. This is the problem when you haven't got somebody to, you know, bounce off. You have to uh, have very small pauses in between you talking. Right, so that was my uh, 
take on the Winter Olympics. The tried and tested for this episode was Mango's On With Faith. Strange name, great beer. If you haven't tried it, I'd definitely recommend it. (coughs) Excuse me. Right, so moving on to the Peter Falk for this episode. This one is from Freedom Brewery, which is in Shropshire, I believe. And this one is called Summer Lager, which is apparently zesty and refreshing lager. Lager is at 3.6%, so I can't imagine it being a particularly pungent beer. Maybe if they've put some extra hops in it or something to give a bit more bite. Uh, They have given it Pacific Jade and Nelson Sovin, so I'm sure I'll mispronounce those. Uh, Please... I take my apologies in advance. I do not mean to offend. Uh, it's in Staffordshire, not Shropshire. Close enough. Uh, now, as a general rule, I'm not a huge fan of the beers from Freedom Brewery. I don't know why. <coughs> I think it's... They do okay beers, but I've never found anything that has knocked my socks off. They have got a couple of beers that... I've seen around that I haven't managed to get my hands on yet, such as their IPL. Um, I would like to actually really like to try that, especially with my penchant for IPLs. But, <clears throat> I don't know. I thought I'd give this one a try, because worst case scenario, it has to go down the drain. doesn't happen very often, but, you know, worst case scenario, isn't it? Right, I'm going to go in. The... Look of it is very light now. I'm, obviously, it's clear because it's like a lager, but there's it's a very a very light look to it. Kind of the colour along the lines of like a bud, which concerns me straight from the off. A little bit of hoppiness on the aroma, but I can't pick up anything in particular. Hmm. I would say. That is quite stereotypical in Freedom Brewery. The way in which they do their beers is, if my my personal analysis, nobody else's. <clears throat> I don't get a massive amount of complexity to it. Yes, there's a little bit of zestiness. There's a, you can get that the subtle undertone of the hops coming through. Not really much else, like overpowering the flavour. It's kind of what you expect from a, a lager, really. However, during the with the Freedom beers, I always find that they have a distinctly bitter aftertaste. Now, as I've said before, when something is ma- like majorly bitter, I don't particularly enjoy it. Obviously, other people who have joined me on the podcast, they, some of those prefer more hoppier bites. So if I had something to bounce off, they might pick up other things that I've not noticed yet. <clears throat> but yeah um, overall there's Christmas to it there is a little bit of zest there's a little bit of hop there is a bit of like aftertaste overall that is about it it's not it's not setting the world on fire um, and that's probably the nicest way I can say I'm not, I'm not trying to be offensive I say because beer is subjective some people will enjoy it some people won't but for me, I wouldn't refuse one, but I wouldn't refuse. I, I wouldn't necessarily rush out to get one. It's probably the best way I can analyse that. 
<clears throat> right, so moving on. Um, I have actually managed to catch up on a film that I've been desperate to see since its release. It's had fantastic reviews, uh, and I fan- finally managed to catch up with it the other week. Now, this is a film that was called Free Guy. Now, Free Guy is quite an interesting concept because it's somebody who... It's not really... I'm not giving you any spoilers, but I'm kind of giving you a background of what the film is. Essentially, it is, Free Guy is somebody who lives inside a video game, which is an MMO. It's a massive multiplayer online. That's where it stands for. So you kind of like do your role-playing stuff. Um... This person lives on inside the game, but doesn't realise it's a game. Um, not too dissimilar from like a, a Truman Show idea, but I think far cleverly executed. That's that, that's the biggest difference to it. So <clears throat> people come on online, play around. Obviously, all the Characters in the background, normally they're just cannon fodder, you know, people mess about, do stupid stuff. This one breaks the rules and starts exploring the world and trying to work out what's different. Um, I'm trying not to give too much away because it it is really, really good and there is some nice twists and turns. But the best, best, probably the best way I can describe it is anybody who is a fan of like kind of 80s, 90s, action big explosion kind of films but also enjoys the hint of realism and you know making it a bit more modern day especially with the gaming aspect uh i think it was done extremely extremely well it stars ryan reynolds who i genuinely do not think they could have got a better casting for like the character whatsoever he plays it amazingly um all the supporting cast as well was really really cleverly done i think they picked the right people rather than going for big names because sometimes especially with like films that they think are going to be successful they have a fascination with throwing like big people such as like tom cruise or you know john travolta and, and they just don't Yes, they are talented actors in their own right. However, they don't necessarily fit the bill for the characters they're trying to play because they're too busy trying to use the names to draw in and get the money. Again, that's my personal take on things, but I think the cast was done perfectly well and I don't think they could have picked anybody better for any of it. So, But ultimately, there's plenty of explosions. There's a good storyline. There's a nice couple of twists at the end. Um, there's a subtle theme running throughout it, but it doesn't really come to a head until later on. Um, Taika Waititi, um, the person who uh, directed like Thor, um, Thor of and Thunder. No, that's the one that's coming out, isn't it? Ragnarok, Thor Ragnarok. Um, he is a fantastically comedic actor and director, and Again, perfect placement. I don't think they could pick anybody better to do what they need them to do. But yeah, free guy. Um, I obviously watch it on Disney Plus because I tend to watch everything on Disney Plus just because it's easy. I actually do have all the other streaming services as well. I might add. It's just at the moment Disney Plus just seems to have all the things I want to watch. 
Uh, there's a couple of things on Netflix. Like the one thing I do like about Netflix is like the more comedy specials. Uh, I haven't seen the recent one with Jimmy Carr, which is causing lots of uh, controversy and lots of complaints. Um, but there's other ones on there, such as uh, Greg Davis, You Magnificent Beast, well recommended if you haven't seen it. It's fantastic. I cry with laughter every time I watch it, no matter how many times. Um, another one is, uh, there's a, an American comedian, I think I might have spoke about him before, called uh, Bert Kreischer. Now, Bert Kreischer, if anybody's actually seen a film called Van Wilder, where uh, someone was in college in America for seven years, just messing about... That was actually based on his life. <laughs> so you can tell what type of person he is. But his story... For American for an American comedian, he's not massively over the top. And he just tells anecdotes from his life. And that's what I generally find him quite funny. Uh, but yeah, so that's quite good for that. Amazon, I quite like their individual shows. Such as like obviously Clarkson's Farm and like James May, O'Cook and stuff like that. I think they're really good. Um, but yeah. Going back to Disney Plus at the moment, I just think it's got some really, really clever films. Obviously, I've watched some of the superhero ones, but I won't bore you with that because I know I've done that a lot in the past. So, <laughs> but yeah, Free Guy. Um, I'm not sure where else you can see it, but if you do get the opportunity, please, please give it a blast. I'm just going to quickly finish off the summer lager from the Freedom Brewery, so if you bear me one moment. Yep, so that was the Peter Falk for this episode now the around the world for this episode um is one i've actually wanted to try for a while but for some reason never ever got round to it so this is from sierra nevada and it's called hazy little thing ipa now <clears throat> the traditional sierra nevada beer i absolutely love um and this is one as all i say it's been on the cards for ages but for some reason and it's not even difficult to get access to probably just the sheer volume of beer I've bought really and trying to justify buying any more um, this one's actually brewed in Chico California California, um, and it's 4.6% in volume and it's a session IPA apparently kind of fits the bill not being anything massively over 5% um, I'll quickly go into the look of it so this is again very light in colour um bit hazier obviously than the lager but it's not uh, anywhere near as thick as the mangoes on with faith that we had earlier now there is quite a um <clears throat> an aromatic element to this so I'm trying to work out if there's any kind of fruity elements to it or if it's just like the balance of hops that they've used i don't think it tells me which hops it has used to bear with Nope, absolutely nothing. So in which case, I will show going blind and bear with me. Okay. <clears throat> so, I think it's all actually down to the hops. Um, there is a fruitiness to it, but I think it's the balance of hops. Probably the standard big hip hitters, so like, you know, kind of your citra and things like that. <clears throat> There's no one I can particularly pinpoint... As you take a swig of it, you kind of get the crispness and the tropical notes from the hops, giving the like a nice little fruity balance at the uh, start. It's there's a little bit of crispness, but overall, I'd say it was quite smooth at the end. 
nothing. This one hasn't got one of those ones where it gives you a bit more of a bite at the end. It's, I think it's all at the start of the beer. Quite sessionable, very easy drinking, very light on the palate. Um, overall, I should say that that's actually very, very pleasant. And to be completely honest, I'm a little bit one, like wondering why it's taken me quite so long to try it. But yeah, overall, very, very pleasant. Um, so yeah, moving on. <clears throat> very exciting news. So, <laughs> I say exciting, exciting for me. So, as I mentioned on previous episodes, I'm a massive fan of American football. Um, we've been to, I've been to a game in America, I've been to a game in London. Um, James, the former co-host, massive Seahawks fan, so we went to watch Seahawks versus Raiders in London. When I was over in Florida, I went and watched Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Cincinnati Bengals. This was a long time ago, so long before the Tom Brady aspect. So I think it was about six years ago um, when they were absolutely awful. Uh, but I've always had a soft spot for Tampa Bay because my ice hockey team are based in Tampa Bay. So they're always kind of like my second team. Now, my first team, who I spoke about before, uh, is Green Bay Packers. My son's actually named after the all-time sack record holder for Green Bay Packers, so that's how much I'm into them. Followed them for a long, long time. Now, because because <clears throat> Green Bay are such a popular team, in America, they are not... They Nobody ever wants to give up their games because it's the most amount of footfall that they'll have, so there'll be more people turn up for a Green Bay game than any other. So it's when they have the international series, such as Mexico... London and now think places like Germany, um, Green Bay has never ventured out. It was the, literally the only team that had never done it before. <clears throat> this year, they've announced the lineup for the games later in the year, and Green Bay has actually been announced. So there's three games going to be based in London, two at the Tottenham Stadium with the uh, Green Bay Packers and the New Orleans Saints. In Wembley Stadium, it is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, Jacksonville Jaguars, Wembley is kind of like their home. They've kind of made tried to make the UK their their franchise. And if there was ever going to be one that moved to the UK permanently, it probably would be Jacksonville. Um, no, Jaguars, as I should say. I do apologise. But yeah, so everything else is up in the air. So the fact that Green Bay are actually finally coming over to the UK, I'm very, very excited um, trying to get tickets, on the other hand, is going to be very, very difficult. Because the biggest problem with these type of things, as we pretty much everything nowadays, scalpers. People who sit on online try and get their tickets. So if you're a genuine fan and want to go and see your team, you can't because all these scalpers have got it. And then if you do manage to get a ticket, it'll cost you about 10 times the actual value of the ticket. Something genuinely, genuinely annoys me. I think I've covered this before with other things. <clears throat> but if something like this is so rare and unlikely to happen again for a long time, if you're a genuine fan, such as myself, who I followed Green Bay for 25 years, my son is named after one of the, you know, their all-time players, you, it really bugs me the fact that I might not get a chance. Not because other people are going to go and actually enjoy the game. I'm more than happy with them. If I miss out because other people enjoy it, well, you know, that's the look of the draw. If you're doing it and then you see empty seats because all these scalpers have had the tickets and then couldn't shift them, that's, that's what really, really annoys me because somebody who genuinely would love that experience 
She never even gets a look in. And I, I, it, it's something that absolutely frustrates me. But, yeah, hopefully, touch wood, I'm uh, going to be following all the social media channels, media channels, I should say. Um, desperately trying to grab hold of one. I know it's going to be unlikely, but I'm very, very excited. And hopefully, things will actually pay off. Uh, moving on to another sport. I oh, know, I've already talked a lot of sport, but that's pretty much what... Yeah, sorry, I think uh, I had a bit of a technical issue then. Yeah, I'll talk about sport, which is, I say, something that's a, a massive part of my life. Um, Six Nations. Six Nations is on. We've gone through round three this weekend, uh, so we've got two more rounds left. France, as predicted before the tournament started, as I said on the last podcast, absolutely dominating. They are looking absolutely terrifying, just in time for the World Cup. At the moment, they are so electric. They are so in such an enjoyable team to watch. If you haven't watched any of their games yet, don't rob yourself of the glory that what of what they are because they are something special. In particular, uh, Dupont, the uh, scrum half, is is the best player in the world by an absolute country mile at the moment, and it's just so explosive. Really, really enjoyable. Uh, kind of closer for the second place. Um, Ireland are actually doing really, really well. Um, very enjoyable to watch. Uh, England, uh, the points are there. I don't think the performances are. Um, if I'm honest, I think it's probably going to be closer to about a third, fourth place finish. But we shall see. Um, Wales haven't quite done anything that, which is not really a surprise. I. I think at the moment they're at that point where they either need to make some big sweeping changes for the future or kind of just they're just going to carry on dropping off into like like being a bit lackluster. Um, Scotland actually, to be fair, their performances are getting much better again year on year, much more improved. I don't think they're the finished product by any means at the moment. But I think it's still that progression. They've still got their key players, um, which surprisingly enough, one of them actually got they got lost this weekend because of they came down with COVID. But Hamish Watson, cracking player, Johnny Gray, they lost him. Um, Finn Russell and Stuart Hogger, the other names that tend to be quite popular with them. However, I don't think they kind of had enough to carry the team the whole weekend. They needed somebody else, like some of the other big hitters up front just to make it a bit more of an even spread. And I think they were missing those key players. Um, Italy. I like the fact that Italy are including the Six Nations and I don't want them replacing because I think it'll be a massive backward step. However, with year on year, there just doesn't seem to be that much progression from where they are. I know, obviously, they haven't got the same level of players or you know infrastructure or investment, but the game is only going to get better for them by constantly playing. You remove them from that situation, <clears throat> it's just not going to work, and I, I fear that it will actually ruin everything for them. So hopefully. They can start stringing some, uh, you know, some good performances together. I don't think it'll be this year, but hopefully in the next two years, if they get the right, the right key players in the right places and just work together as a team, that's all you can do. Really, you can only be who you are. But I'm hoping that they can get the odd win or the odd upset just to 
make it a bit more pleasurable for their fans and yeah, the support that they've given them over the years. But yeah, so that's the Six Nations. Um, it, I love it. It's one of my favourite times of year. It's a cracking tournament. There's no tournaments really like it. I mean, I know that there's one in the Southern Hemisphere, but it doesn't have the same <clears throat> rivalries, passion, aggression. It's just... But it's all in a, a good, timely, fun way. So I think that's the most important thing, really. But yeah, Six Nations, absolutely brilliant. Still a couple of rounds left. If you haven't uh, watched any yet, definitely whack the box on and enjoy it. Right, I'm just going to finish the um, hazy little thing IPA and then move on to the wild card. Right, so the wild card for this episode is from Brewdog. Ooh, I know the, uh, the band B word. It's not really the band B word. Um, I just say that because everybody seems to want to hate Brewdog at the moment. Which, don't get me wrong, I'm not their massive fan. Um, but sometimes they do make a large variety of beers. Sometimes you're going to have to try them just to see if it's any good. Now, this one is called Silk Road. It was one of the ones that came from a beer subscription. Now, the reason why this one is... A wild card. It's a lychee and mango hazy IPA. Now, I know we've had a mango pale ale earlier. The reason why it's a wild card is because it's got lychee in it, and I don't actually like lychee. So, <laughs> this is one of those ones that I doubt is going to be very pleasurable for me. And also, I'm not a massive fan of the Brewdog beers either. So, it's either going to be absolutely stunning or utterly horrendous. I'm probably going to go with the latter, to be fair, but we shall see. Right, so the colour of it, it is hazy, uh, it's more darker in colour, so a bit more of the golden aspect to it. Um, oh, you can smell the lychee, jeez, yeah, I'm not going to like this at all, am I? Right, I'm going in, wish me luck. Oh, um, that's strange. Oh, oh, the aftertaste is a bit... Oh, oh I'm not, not a massive fan of that. Okay, so, on analysis. When you kind of take a swig, it's got a similar kind of initial hit that some of their marshmallow beers have had. Kind of that, that weird, strange, sweet, sour, don't really know what I'm doing aspect to it. As I drank the rest of it, there was... That flavour kind of persisted through. Bit of bitterness. But then after I'd finished drinking it, there was it gave it another wave of it, which it's got a very dry complexity to it as well. So it's not one of those beers as you drink, it's like, ah, it's refreshing. As I drink it, it's drying my mouth out. So it definitely hasn't got that refreshing aspect to it either. So, yeah, um, overall, I can't say that there's a lot for me to pick up. It's very, it's very much more lychee rather than the mango. There is the bitterness for the IPA fans. But overall, there's not a huge amount of enjoyable complexity for it, in my personal opinion. Um, right. I suppose it's that time, isn't it? So I wonder what's going to be last. Right. In fourth place, I am going to go with... The Silk Road from Brewdog. Now, I'm not going to lie, it was very close to in this, uh, my third place one. If you're a lychee lover, 
and a brew dog lover, you will absolutely love this beer. Personally, it's just I'm not a massive brew dog fan, and I'm definitely not a lychee fan, so it's it's just not something that I would actually ever go to. Uh, in third place, the summer lager again. Not a massive fan of the style of beer that they make. Again, it's all personal preference. You may absolutely love them if you love uh, Freedom Brewing. Then yeah, get it a bash. But for me, um, it's just not quite there. Uh, in second place, I'm going to go with the Mangoes On With Faith. Cracking beer. Had it many times. I'll have it many times again. Um, really pleasurable. Nice balance of hoppiness and bitterness with the fruity aspect of it as well. So if you find some of the others a bit, some of the other fruity beers a little bit more too sweet for you, I think that'll work perfectly in your favour. But yeah, um, overall winner has got to be Hazy Little Thing IPA Session Edition from Sierra Nevada. Absolutely beautiful, and I will be definitely purchasing more of those moving forward. A bit more of a traditional style, <clears throat> but very very pleasurable. Right, so thank you very much for bearing with me. Um, very briefly before we go, uh, I always make a point of avoiding anything, avoiding anything political or religious based or anything like that. But I think it's hard to not quickly mention on the goings on in Ukraine. Uh, I'm not going to side on any political side, whether it's Russian or European or NATO or any of that. I'm not interested. Uh, I do actually want to quickly mention though, when these type of things occur, there is a lot of innocent people and families and children that do get caught up in the middle. And I think sometimes, especially with like, you know, the likes of modern day social media, uh, the normal media, things can kind of get spun out of all proportion. And it's it's a bit of a struggle to trust what your sources are, what you're seeing. Um, ultimately the most important thing is people are losing their lives unnecessarily uh, in Ukraine and hopefully they can find a resolution soon I think especially with the things such as social media it's quite easy to get detached from it and focus things on like flags or regimes the most important thing especially if, if 2021 has taught me anything the most important thing in life is people. People you'll like, people you'll dislike, but everything that people do makes this world actually a nice place to be. There's horrible people, there's always horrible people, but then when these things, horrible things happen, there is nice people to come out and support. And I think that's the most important thing. Make sure we try and look after people where we can. And most importantly, look after yourselves. So it's very easy to get lost in the modern day world. Things aren't actually as important as what we realise. Make sure you look after yourselves and everybody that's important to you. Okay? But that, that's my uh, little thing on it. And I hope there's a resolution to that soon. But thank you very much for joining me. Um, I hope it wasn't too bad or too terrible. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure when I listen to it back, I will critique quite a lot. But yeah. Hopefully, things will be back to normal. I say my guest uh, I have booked for this month, I will try and relocate uh, to later on in the year so we can you know, go back to a normal chit-chat. But thank you very much for your time, and I will speak to you soon.